worry about anything but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for joining us today. Today, this is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. We invite you to look with us in the book of Psalms to begin with Psalm 144, beginning at verse 1. Praise the Lord who is my rock. He trains my hands for war and gives my fingers skill for battle. He is my loving ally and my fortress, my tower of safety, my rescuer. He is my shield and I take refuge in him. He makes the nations submit to me. O Lord, what are human beings that you should notice them, mere mortals that you should think about them? For they are like a breath of air. Their days are like a passing shadow. Open the heavens, Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so they billow smoke. Hurl your lightning bolts and scatter your enemies. Shoot your arrows and confuse them. Reach down from heaven and rescue me. Rescue me from deep waters, from the power of my enemies. Their mouths are full of lies. They swear to tell the truth, but they lie instead. I will sing a new song to you, O God. I will sing your praises with a ten-stringed harp. For for, For you grant victory to kings. You rescued your servant David from the fatal sword. Save me. Rescue me from the power of my enemies. Their mouths are full of lies. They swear to tell the truth, but they lie instead. May our sons flourish in their youth like well-nurtured plants. May our daughters be like grateful pillars carved to beautify a palace. May our barns be filled with crops of every kind. May the flocks in our fields multiply by the thousands even tens of thousands. And may our oxen be loaded down with produce. May there be no enemy breaking through our walls, no going into captivity, no cries of alarm in our town squares. Yes, joyful are those who live like this. Joyful indeed are those whose God is the Lord. All of Psalm 144. Thank you, Father, for being El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. Thank you for being Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Thank you for being Jehovah Rapha, our healer. Thank you, Lord, for being our King of kings and our Lord of lords. Thank you, Lord, for how the daily, as we come to you in prayer, that you always, always, always have a listening ears for the prayers of we, your children. And thank you, Lord, for how that as we spend times and seasons reading and meditating on your word, Through that time, you teach us, you mold us, you counsel us, you strengthen us, you lift us up, you pour your joy into our hearts and our lives, and you empower us to be faithful disciples. Thank you for the gift, the wonderful gift of your word, and help us to be wise enough to make more and more time in your word every single day. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Again, I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. Our producer is Isaac Jackson, and we are grateful that you are part of our listening family. We continue to ask for you to please take time to pray daily. 
for the ministry of the American Family Association. We desire your prayers, the ministry of the American Family Radio Network, and specifically for the ministry of the Hour of Intercession. Again, your prayers are genuinely appreciated. Uh, today, um, we will be reading through the Word shortly, and so, but as we often do, we're going to share one or two articles that are Christian education articles, discipleship articles, whichever word you wish to pre- you prefer, but to encourage you and strengthen you too. And I uh, shared one on yesterday that apparently uh, some would like to hear it again. So I'm going to share this article entitled, once again, An Attitude of Gratitude is Its Own Reward. Again, the title, An Attitude of Gratitude is Its Own Reward. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Again, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Why is it so important to give thanks to God in the good times and the bad, in the sunshine and in the rain? Well, one reason is that life is a gift. Another reason is thanksgiving and praise are powerful weapons that help you to be an overcomer and a winner in life. See 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. This is true no matter what the obstacles or trials you face. Allow me to share a tremendous illustration of this reality. Francis had what many would consider a tough, tragic, and troubled life. A doctor's error left her at six weeks of age with lifelong blindness. Her father passed away when she was very young. She was raised by her mother and grandmother. Many in today's world would believe Frances had plenty of reasons to be unhappy, depressed, and without hope. However, in her autobiography, Frances June Crosby chose to write these amazing words. It seemed intended by the blessed providence of God that I should be blind all my life, and I thank him for the dispensation. The doctor who made the mistake later moved away. However, Francis wrote, If I could meet him now, I would say thank you, thank you over and over again for making me blind. Though many may conclude that living a life with blindness would be a sad, disappointing life, Francis considered it to be one of her greatest blessings. She considered her blindness to be a gift from God. She once said, I could not have written thousands of hymns if I had been hindered by the distractions of seeing all the interesting and beautiful objects that would have been presented to my notice. By the way, many know Francis June Crosby so much better by the name Fanny Crosby, the great hymn and songwriter. Fanny Crosby blessed the church and the world with songs that include Blessed Assurance, To God Be the Glory, Redeemed, all the way my Savior leads me, and many others. She is a tremendous example of one who lived with a grateful spirit and with an attitude of gratitude. Having this attitude was a great blessing to her, and she in turn continues to be a great blessing to the church and to the world. Make it your goal to thank God in all circumstances, for even in tough times, God really does run our cups over in blessing In so many ways, see Psalm 23, verse 5. Take time to thank and praise Him for His goodness. Don't focus on the negative things in life. Focus on the blessings. It will change your whole outlook on life. Also, being grateful to God for His goodness will stir up joy in your life. Be mindful, too, that being a genuinely grateful 
excuse me, be mindful too that being genuinely grateful makes you instantly rich in the truest sense of the word. Ask God to anoint you today with the spirit of praise and gratitude. Instead of complaining about the rain, thank God for watering his beautiful world for free. Instead of complaining about not feeling well, thank God you are alive. Instead of complaining about having to clean your house, thank God you have a home to live in. Instead of being impatient with family members, thank God for the gift your loved ones are to you. Instead of complaining about your job, thank God that you have a job and an income. Instead of complaining about the world, thank God for the opportunity to pray and help change the world to be a better place. Give thanks in all things. And do remember this, being a genuinely grateful person will bless you tremendously. Fanny Crosby lived out both the literal and biblical meaning of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. But by doing so obediently, she became an example of Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, and gave her and gave her praise to God for thousands of tongues to sing. Praise and thank God daily and often. Living life with an attitude of gratitude really is its own reward. Again, the title of that article, An Attitude of Gratitude is Its Own Reward. And then a second article we'd like to share is entitled, God's Word three chapters a day. And again, keep in mind, these are articles that we had the privilege of writing and placing on the AFA stand. If you'd like to get copies, we're glad to share those copies with you. Once again, my email, joseph at afr.net. Again, joseph at afr.net. The title of the second article, God's Word, three chapters a day. Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Again, Psalm 119, verse 105, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Again, Hebrews 4, 12. Practicing daily spiritual habits are necessary in our daily walk with the Lord. Why? Because followers of Christ are to be passionately faithful to the Lord. In life, we form habits to help us consistently do things that are important to us. Habits that help us accomplish accomplish the goals we believe are critical in our lives. I regularly encourage believers to set a goal of reading at least three chapters in God's Word every day. This habit is one of the most important to establish in all of life. Why three chapters and why every day? If a believer reads three chapters in the Word of God every day, that can be a basic spiritual meal for him or her. It might be that you read the same chapter three times over, or you may, three, or you may read three different chapters. Doing either is very fruitful and very wise and productive. How is this helpful? The Word of God is Jesus, and Jesus is the Word of God. When you're reading the Word of God, it is one-on-one time talking with and spending time with Jesus. It's your daily appointment with it's your daily appointment time with Him. The Lord Jesus will spend as much time with you as you will spend with Him in His Word. It's important for us to read the Word every day. Just as our bodies need physical food every day, so too must our must we feed our spirits daily as well. God's Word is food for our spirits, like physical food is food for our physical bodies. 
Feeding your physical body every day can help you to be strong, vibrant, and healthy. Feeding your spirit, the Word of God daily, can help you to be strong, vibrant, and spiritually healthy. Now, if a man or woman only ate a small snack once every other day, very soon he or she would grow physically weak. Likewise, when a believer only reads a verse or two from the Word of God every day or every other day, he or she will become spiritually weak. Sadly, it appears that too many believers live on what you could call uh, a starvation diet spiritually. It's spiritual neglect. Too many believers may not even pick up a Bible for days. It is for this reason that many believers are spiritually anemic, spiritually weak and frail when it comes to spiritual things. My suggestion suggestion to you is today, start the habit of reading at least three chapters in the Word of God every day. It's a way of blessing and rewarding yourself. See Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3, and Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. Why not start rewarding yourself today? Here are 10 great reasons for reading God's Word daily. Number one, it tells you genuinely how to be saved and how to grow up in your faith. See John 3, 16, Psalm 119, verse 105, Romans 12, 1 and 2, Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Number two, it gives you clear guidance and direction for much of your life. See Psalm 119, verse 105, 2 Timothy 3, 15 to 17. Three, it empowers your prayers and your prayer life. See Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Number four, it sharpens your ability to hear the Holy Spirit more clearly. See 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5. Five, it ministers to your mind, body, and spirit. See Proverbs 4, 20 to 22. Number six, reading the word daily helps you maintain your mental health. Number seven, it increases the anointing of God in every area of your life. See 1 Corinthians 1, 5. Number nine, it increases your wisdom in every area of your life. See Proverbs 1 to 3. Number, excuse, that was number eight. Then number nine, it enhances your intellect and personality. It literally can increase your IQ. And number 10, it pours grace, peace, and mercy and joy into your spirit, your mind, and your life. Reading three chapters a day from the Word of God will bless you tremendously. Let's make it a high priority in parents. We're wise to have our children read three chapters out loud to us every day. It will greatly bless them and you and your home. Again, the title of that article, God's Word, three chapters a day. We'll be right back.
music, music from Planet Shakers with Heaven on Earth. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. We continue now reading through the Word of God as we pick up in the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. As Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons to be judges over Israel. Joel and Abijah, his oldest sons, held court in Beersheba, but they were not like their father, for they were greedy for money. They accepted bribes and perverted justice. Finally, all the elders of Israel met at Ramah to discuss the matter with Samuel. Look, they told him, you are now old and your sons are not like you. Give us a king to judge us like all the other nations have. Samuel was displeased with their request and went to the Lord for guidance. Do, excuse me, do everything they say to you, the Lord replied, for they are rejecting me, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Ever since I brought them from Egypt, they have continually abandoned me and followed other gods. And now they are giving you the same treatment do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about the way a king will reign over them. So Samuel passed on the Lord's warning to the people who were asking him for a king. This is how a king will reign over you, Samuel said. The king will draft your sons and assign them to be his, char his chariots and his charioteers, making them run before his chariots. Some will be generals and captains in his army. Some will be forced to plow in his fields and harvest his crops. And some will make his weapons and the chariot equipment. The king will take your daughters from you and force them to cook and bake and make perfumes for him. He will take away the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his own officials. He will take a tenth of your grain and your grape harvest and distribute it among his officers and attendants. He will take your male and female slaves and demand the finest of your cattle and donkeys for his own use. He will demand a tenth of your flocks and you will be his slaves. When that day comes, you will beg for relief from this king you are demanding, but then the Lord will not help you. But the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning. Even so, we still want a king, they said. We want to be like the nations around us. Our king will judge us and lead us into battle. So Samuel repeated to the Lord what the people had said, and the Lord replied, Do as they say and give them a king. Then Samuel agreed and sent the people home. 1 Samuel chapter 9 There was a wealthy, influential man named Kish from the tribe of Benjamin. He was the son of Abiel, son of Zeror, excuse me, son of Zeror, son of Becharoth, son of Aphiah, of the tribe of Benjamin. His son Saul was the most handsome man in Israel, head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. One day, 
Kish's donkey straight away, and he told Saul, Take a servant with you and go look for the donkeys, and go look for the donkeys. So Saul took one of the servants and traveled through the hill country of Ephraim, the land of Shalisha, the the Shealim area, and the entire land of Benjamin, but they couldn't find the donkeys anywhere. Finally, they entered the region of Zuf, and Saul said to his servant, Let's go home. By now my father will be more worried about us than about the donkeys. But the servant said, I've just thought of something. There's a man of God who lives here in this town. He is held in high honor by all the people because everything he says comes true. Let's go find him. Perhaps he can tell us which way to go. But we don't have anything to offer him, Saul replied. Even our food is gone, and we don't have a thing to give him. Well, the servant said, I have one small silver piece. We can at least offer it to the man of God and see what happens. In those days, if people wanted a message from God, they would say, let's go and ask the seer, for prophets used to be called seers. All right, Saul agreed. Let's try it. So they started into the town where the man of God lived. As they were climbing the hill to the town, they met some young women coming out to draw water. So Saul and his servant asked, Is the seer here today? Yes, they replied. Stay right on this road. He is at the town gates. He has just arrived to take part in a public sacrifice up at the place of worship. Hurry and catch him before he goes up there to eat. The guests won't begin eating until he arrives to bless the food. So they entered the town, and as they passed through the gates, Samuel was coming out toward them to go up to the place of worship. Now the Lord had told Samuel the previous day, About this time tomorrow I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him to be the leader of my people Israel. He will rescue them from the Philistines, for I have looked down on my people in mercy and have heard their cry. When Samuel saw Saul, excuse me, when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said, That's the man I told you about. He will rule my people. Just then Saul approached Samuel at the gateway and and asked, Can you please tell me where the seer's house is? I am the seer, Samuel replied. Go up to the place of worship ahead of me. We will eat there together, and in the morning I'll tell you what you want to know and send you on your way. And don't worry about those donkeys that were lost three days ago, for they have been found. And I am here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all Israel's hopes. Saul replied, But I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe in Israel, and my family is the least important of all the families of the tribe, of all the families of that tribe. Why are you talking like this to me? Then Samuel brought Saul and his servant into the hall and placed them at the head of the table, 
honoring them above the 30 special guests. Samuel then instructed the cook to bring Saul the finest cut of meat, the piece that had been set aside for the guest of honor. So the cook brought in the meat and placed it before Saul. Go ahead and eat it, Samuel said. I was saying it for you. I was saving it for you even before I invited these others. So Saul ate with Samuel that day. When they came down from the place of worship and returned to town, Samuel took Saul up to the roof of the house and prepared a bed for him there. At daybreak the next morning, Samuel called to Saul, Get up. It's time you are on your way. So Saul got ready, and he and Samuel left the house together. When they reached the edge of town, Samuel told Saul to send his servants on ahead. After the servant was gone, Samuel said, Stay here, for I have received a special message for you from God. 1 Samuel chapter 10 Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it over Saul's head. He kissed Saul and said, I am doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. When you leave me today, you will see two men beside Rachel's tomb at Zelzah, on the border of Benjamin. They will tell you that the donkey, they will tell you that the donkeys have been found, and that your father has stopped worrying about them and is now worried about you. He is asking, Have you seen my son? When you get to the oak of Tabor, you will see three men coming toward you who are on their way to worship God at Bethel. One will be bringing three young goats, another will have three loaves of bread, and the third will be carrying a wineskin full of wine. They will greet you and offer you two of the loaves which you are to accept. When you arrive at Gibeah of God, where the garrison of the Philistines is located, you will meet a band of prophets coming down from the place of worship. They will be playing a harp, a tambourine, a flute, and a lyre, and they will be prophesying. At that time, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them. You will be a changed, excuse me, you will be a change, excuse me, you will be changed into a different person. After these signs take place, do what must be done, for God is with you. Then go down to Gilgal ahead of me. I will join you there to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. You must wait for seven days until I arrive and give you further instructions. So, as Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart, and all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. When Saul and his servant arrived at Gibeah, they saw a group of prophets coming toward them. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul, and he, too, began to prophesy. When those who knew Saul heard about it, they exclaimed, What? Is even Saul a prophet? How did the son of Kish become a prophet? And one of those standing there said, Can anyone become a prophet? 
no matter who his father is? So that is the origin of the saying, Is even Saul a prophet? When Saul had finished prophesying, he went up to the place of worship. Where where have you been? Saul's uncle asked him and his servant. Saul's uncle asked him and his servant. We were looking for the donkeys, Saul replied, but we couldn't find them. So we went to Samuel to ask him where they were. Oh, and what did he say? His uncle asked. He told us that the donkeys had already been found, Saul replied. But Saul didn't tell his uncle what Samuel said about the kingdom. Later, Samuel called all the people of Israel to meet before the Lord at Mizpah. And he said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, has declared. I brought you from Egypt and rescued you from the Egyptians and from all the nations that were oppressing you. But though I have, but though I have rescued you of the nations that were oppressing you, but though I have rescued you, excuse me, from your misery and distress, you have rejected your God today and have said, No, we want a king instead. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by tribes and clans. So Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot. Then he brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord, and the family of the Matrites was chosen. And finally Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. So they asked the Lord, Where is he? And the Lord replied, He is hiding among the baggage. So they found him and brought him out, and he stood head and shoulders, head and shoulders above anyone else. Then Samuel said to all the people, This is the man the Lord has chosen as your king. No one in all Israel is like him. And all the people shouted, Long live the king! Then Samuel told the people what the rights and duties of a king were. He wrote them down on a scroll and placed it before the Lord. Then Samuel sent the people home again. When Saul returned, when Saul returned to his home at Gibeah, a group of men whose hearts God had touched went with him. But there were some scoundrels who complained, How can this man save us? And they scorned him and refused to bring him gifts. But Saul ignored them. Nahash, king of the Ammonites, had been grievously oppressing the people of God and Reuben, who lived east of the Jordan River. Verses 1 through 27, 1 Samuel chapter 10. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we're reading through the Word of God. We'll be back. This is how I fight my battles. 
Michael W. Smith with Surrounded. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. Continue now reading through the Word of God as we pick up in the New Testament. The book of Acts, Acts chapter 28, beginning at verse 1. Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, So they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, A murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. We, he welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying hands on him, he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. As a result, we were showered with honors, and when the time came to sail, people supplied us with everything we would need for the trip. It was three months after the shipwreck that we set sail on another ship that had wintered at the island, an Alexandrian ship with the twin gods as its figurehead. Our first stop was Syracuse, where we stayed three days. From there, we sailed across the Regium. A day later, a south wind began blowing, so the following day we sailed up the coast of Puteoli. There we found some believers who invited us to spend a week with them, and so we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters in Rome had heard we were coming 
and they came to meet us at the Forum on the Appian Way. Others joined us at the three taverns. When Paul saw them, he was encouraged and thanked God. When we arrived in Rome, Paul was, Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging, though he was guarded by a soldier. Three days after Paul's arrival, he called together the local Jewish leaders. He said to them, Brothers, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Roman government. Even though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors, the Romans, try, the Romans tried me and wanted to release me because they found no cause for the death sentence. But when the Jewish leaders protested the decision, I felt it necessary to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no desire to press charges against my own people. I asked you to come here today so we could get acquainted and so I could explain to you that I am bound with this chain because I believe that the hope of Israel, the Messiah, has already come. They replied, we have no letters from Judea or reports against you from anyone who has come here. But we want to hear what you believe. For the only thing we know about this movement is that it is denounced everywhere. So a time was set, and on that day a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. He explained and testified about the kingdom of God and tried to persuade them about Jesus from the scriptures. Using the law of Moses and the books of the prophets, he spoke to them from morning until evening. Some were persuaded by the things he said, but, but others did not believe. And after they had argued back and forth among themselves, they left with this final word from Paul. They left with this final word from Paul. The Holy Spirit was right when he said to your ancestors through Isaiah the prophet, Go and say to this people, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So I want you to know that this salvation from God has also been offered to the Gentiles, and they will accept it. For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, and no one tried to stop him. End of the book of Acts. The book of Romans, Romans chapter 1. This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family, family line, and he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. And you are included among the Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I am writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be his own holy people. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Let me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. God knows how often I pray for you. Day and night I bring you and your needs in prayer to God, whom I serve with all my heart by spreading the good news about his son. One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, excuse me, one of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that you will that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit, just as I've seen among other Gentiles. For I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and uneducated alike. So I am eager to come to you in Rome, too, to preach the good news. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. Forever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And though they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like, as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. 
So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with their lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. Verses 1 to 29, excuse me, 1 to 29, Romans chapter 1. We've been listening to the Hour of Intercession as we've been reading through the Word of God and as we normally do before we end the broadcast. If you are listening today and you have never made the eternally important decision of inviting Jesus Christ to come into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, and you desire to be saved, would you simply take time from your heart to pray this prayer, to make that step and be saved today? Would you pray this prayer from your heart with me even now? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so very much that you came into this world a long time ago. You lived You died on the cross to pay for all my sins. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess, I've sinned and done wrong in many, many ways. Lord, I repent and I turn from all the wrongs I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things I've done. Lord Jesus, Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. In your word, you told us, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right now, Lord, I'm calling on your name. Lord, save me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all my life. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we are very much wanting to be in touch with you. Please email us, my email, joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We would really like to be in touch to share with you some literature and some resources that will help you to begin to grow up and be discipled, to grow up and become strong in your new walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Please, please do get in touch with us again, that email joseph at afr.net and for the articles that we shared earlier if you'd like to get copies of either one the two titles an attitude of gratitude is its own reward and the second title god's word three chapters a day if you'd like to get one or both again same email joseph at afr.net we'll be glad to get them to you for you for you and your family's discipleship and to share to forward and share them with others again that email joseph at afr.net thanks for listening join us again next time for the hour of intercession
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.